Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You're listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers. Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're, talk- we're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, from here on out... We are only guaranteed uh, as many games as we can win here. Uh, kind of a silly way of saying it, I guess. But, you know, it's it's win and keep advancing. Um, I was talking to uh, my wife earlier, and, and she wanted to know how many games were left on the Packers schedule. And I said, well, if we win this one, then there's one more. And if we win right. that one, then there's one more. <laughs> and on and on to the Super Bowl. Uh, Lions are actually a stiff test for us here um gil i put a poll up on twitter before the dolphins game and i asked folks if they thought that the packers were going to run the table um for those three games uh dolphins vikings lions and i asked which opponent they thought was going to be the hardest and dolphins won the poll in a landslide but i privately thought it was the lions and i didn't think it was particularly close now I didn't mean that to uh, denigrate the Dolphins, who are a very good team, but the Lions are sneakily really good. Now, Vegas has them as four-and-a-half-point dogs to the Packers. we got to keep in mind that this game has been flexed to Sunday night football. The Packers are electric in primetime. It is at home. Uh, DVOA would tell you that the Packers are at a disadvantage both offensively and defensively. However, uh, I don't have the numbers on mostly because there's just not enough of a sample size um, in, in this current edition of the Packers that we have for how much better they play, uh, you know, at home versus on the road and prime time. And I think that both of those things really matter. I think that, you know, as as much as you can, this is set up in favor of the the Packers. And I'm not talking about them flooding the field for <laughs> for the plays that Justin Jefferson is playing and then draining it when Christian Watson goes out there. I'm not talking about that. But that worked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's I, I I thought it was silly when I saw Vikings fans complaining about the field conditions. Uh, but there there actually is a guy on, on Twitter, and maybe he's fake, maybe he's a troll, but he's actually saying that no, there's underground sprinklers and sponges, and when the Vikings are on offense, they flood the field, and when they're on defense, uh, they drain the field. Whatever, buddy. <laughs> if only they had that power, you know? I mean, uh, last time I checked, the offensive and defensive players play on the same field at the same time, so that any 
you know, why wouldn't the Packers defenders also slip? It, 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 it just, it's sour grapes. And when you're talking about a game where your team was losing 41 to three at one point, the argument just falls short. Uh, there, there just isn't enough wet grass in the world to, to, to make up 38 points. No, there's not. And the, um, you know, the, the final score 41 to 17 was a lot closer than the game actually was, as anybody who watched it knows. And 40 to three is really what the final score was when the Packers finally took out their first string uh, defense and let the young guys play. 40 to three is, is the, the score that really matters here. If the Packers defense needed to pitch a shutout in the fourth quarter, all they had to do was just keep doing what they had been doing and not bench every single uh, defensive starter. Yeah, it it would make it would have been a lot easier, you, you know. But why worry about protecting a forty-one to three lead? I mean, that's you know precisely, precisely. Uh, so looking at uh, you know, I referenced DVOA, and I think that it's it's helpful because it removes the. Uh, arguments about schedule and all that, but the Lions actually rank on the season uh, four places higher than the Lion or than the Packers. Lions are uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth overall on the season. Uh, Packers are twelfth, twelfth overall. Uh, math is hard. Uh, <laughs> Lions are yeah, twelfth, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, that's right. Um, Give you a little bit more specifics. The the Packers uh, have been sitting at an eight point two positive uh, on offense compared to the Lions twelve point seven. So that, I think that's um, not a huge gap, but not a small gap either. The gap on defense actually is much larger. The Packers are sitting at two point eight. Lions are at seven point eight, which is kind of wild because their defense was the absolute worst in the entire league for a good chunk of the season. The fact that they have turned it around into a considerably above average defense on the whole, whole season tells you a lot. And looking over the last uh, six weeks, the lions are scoring uh, two and a half points more on offense per game than the Packers are. And they are allowing one fewer points on defense uh, over that six game stretch than the Packers are. I think it's significant. I'm not sure it's as significant as this being on Sunday night football at Lambeau. Yeah, there is a difference uh, for Detroit offensively in outdoor games versus indoor games. Jared Goff throughout the course of his career does much better in warmer weather than in colder weather. There are some factors. Uh, I think the field conditions and the weather conditions make me worry less about Jared Goff and more about Jamal Williams when I look at this offense and always worry about Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, a couple things you brought up there that I think will be interesting to talk about. One is the last time, I believe, the last time the Packers played in a dome was when they played the Cowboys. The last time, see, the the Lions uh, in that same uh stretch since week 10 they have played uh three four home games 
uh i guess all their all their road games have been uh uh the cow the, the cowboys game was at lambo cowboys for for the last dome game we played was in detroit shoot, you're right wow week nine so now it was just the previous week um uh, but yeah that's that's an interesting point the since week nine the last time that these two pl- played each other that was the last time the the Packers played indoors and the lions have played four, five games in that stretch at home and all their road opponents have been outdoors. Uh, but, but five games in that stretch is a, a pretty significant sample size. Yeah, it is. Okay. The other thing you brought up was Jared Goff. And I think that this is an interesting thing. When you look at um, comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, we've been doing this uh, for a lot of these games we've done the last few weeks comparing how these two guys rate uh, when they are kept clean or under pressure. Jared Goff's passer rating when he's kept clean is 115.5. For comparison, Aaron Rodgers is at 98.1. However, Jared Goff drops down to a 58 passer rating when he's under pressure. Pressure him all game long. That You, you have to dial up those blitzes. No question about it. And um, and and I will say that the Packers historically have uh, had a pretty easy time against Jared Goff. He has not really given them uh, games that really make you sweat. The last time we played the Lions, he was only able to score 15 points. Now it didn't really matter because the Packers offense could only put up nine points. But uh, I, I do think that Matt LaFleur and company have Jared Goff figured out. If he has a high scoring game this time, it'll be the first time that he's been effective against us basically ever. You know, if you, if you look back to the uh, 2018 Rams game, um, which we almost won and I think really should have won, that would be the, the, the only exception, but even that was, you know, he didn't put up a ton of points in that game. Get pressure on Jared Goff. Um, and he's, he's got a lot of weapons, but don't let him get the ball to them, get in his face, make him, him uncomfortable. That's when he crumbles. That has always been the case with Jared Goff. Yeah, and look, the Packers' pass rush has been much better in recent weeks. Preston Smith has picked up his game. Kenny Clark, with his annual late season, uh, you know, rise in his play. And uh, look, Kingsley and Ag uh, and Agbare is playing better as he learns the game. And I, I gotta give a shout out to Justin Hollins, who has just been a great pickup. What is it? Two and a half sacks in five games. Not bad at all to give them some yeah. depth on the edge. He was not a guy that we thought was going to do anything other than just, you know, break glass in case of emergency. We're missing Rashawn. We need somebody to play some snaps. No, he's come in and actually made a difference. Yeah, he really has. And it's been great to see. The Lions are, as I mentioned, uh, four point underdogs in four and a half point underdogs in this game. Worth noting, since week nine when they played the Packers, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks, they have beat the spread eight times. Mm-hmm. They also, we they were underdogs um, in five of those games that they won. Not only did they beat the spread, they also just won straight up. So, and, and uh, only one of those times were they more than a four point underdog and they're a four and a half point underdog this week. Uh, and that was against the bills. They did cover in that game, but they 
still lost the game by four points. They were nine and a half point dogs. They lost by four points. So they have not uh, overcome a four and a half point um, underdog spread in that time span. But man, they are playing some good football and there, um, there've been a couple weeks where the offense didn't really, you know, exactly show up. Uh, the jets game was a notable one. Um, and then the other would be that Packers game. Mm-hmm. Otherwise the lowest number of points they have scored in any contest has been 28. And, uh, the DVOA prediction here would tell you that the lions are projected to score 31 points, uh, on the Packers. Uh, now the, the Packers do have one of the stingiest secondaries in the NFL right now, but still, I, this is a, this is a tough task. And I think that this is just, it's not a game that you can sleep on. And I think if the Packers win it, that should give you a ton of confidence about them going into the playoffs. I think the Packers do deserve to get in. I think they're a, a good football team right now. Um, and the, the last couple of weeks, certainly there have been for me, some frustrations with the offense, uh, but still overall a, a, a well-rounded team and a team that I think could be really dangerous in the playoffs. Uh, I think so too. You know, the amazing thing about it to me is that even with this four game win streak, there is yet to be this season with the exception, I think of the game against Dallas, we have not seen signature Aaron Rodgers all season. Yeah, that's, um, you know what? I, I, I have been trying to stay away from complaining about Aaron, but it is not complaining. True. Just making a note. Yeah, I, I, I did uh, tweet during the Vikings game, even though the Packers were absolutely blowing out the Vikings. I did tweet that I wanted to see Aaron be special in the rest of the game. There just there's been so many games the whole season. Like I, I would say basically with the exception of probably week two against Chicago, week three against Tampa, uh, probably week eight against Buffalo and certainly week 10 against Dallas with the exception of those four games. I mean, can you point to stuff that Aaron is doing that Jordan love couldn't do? I don't know that the answer is yes. I mean, do, do we know that Jordan love can come in and, and be that good? No, but can you point to anything that Aaron's doing? That's like, yeah, only Aaron can do with that. You know, that, that right there, that's vintage Aaron Rodgers. That's, you know, that's why he is the, the greatest of all time. No, you watch the plays he's making. You're like, all right, that was good. But I see Jared Goff making those plays. I see, uh, well, not Russell Wilson, certainly. This year, <laughs> not, but, not this year. No, no, but <laughs> name a competent quarterback and he's making these plays. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, this has not been a vintage Aaron Rodgers year. And I'll go back to something that Rodgers himself did say that I think is absolutely correct. And that is my off seasons are the great seasons for a lot of other quarterbacks. And, you know, is he playing at a pro bowl level this year? No. Is he still a good quarterback? Yeah. And if the thumb injury hadn't happened, would his accuracy be better? Probably. Yes. Uh, if, but realistically, you know, what was that? What, one one thing that I think um, has been frustrating to a lot of people 
is the high number of interceptions he has this year. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they're not horrible, but certainly by his standards, they're not good. Um, Pack Daddy on Twitter uh, put up a stat that I found very interesting. So I want to share it and make sure I'm giving him credit. He says, Rodgers' interceptions are a little high at 11, but a lot of it comes down to bad luck. Rodgers is tied for ninth in picks, but looking at turnover-worthy play percentage, Rodgers is tied for eighth lowest. If you adjust his interceptions to the league average percentage of turnover-worthy plays to interceptions, he'd be at about six. So he has 11. Um, What Pac Daddy is saying is that five of his 11 picks – uh, you know, just statistically um, with, with other quarterbacks and, and the um, num- percentage of turnover worthy throws they're making only six of those are turning into interceptions as opposed to 11. So, right. Um, and, and I think if he was sitting at six interceptions, I don't think we'd be talking about it at all. No, we, we wouldn't be. And I still, I hate to say this, but you, you go back to whether or not, uh, he would have had a veteran receiver. Would that have eliminated some of these? The thumb is another factor. Or if Aaron Rodgers showed up at OTAs and voluntary OTAs and maybe held a special quarterback camp for his receivers during the offseason, would that have maybe made a difference for some of these young guys? These are all things we don't know. We'll never know. But we can certainly speculate yeah. that – I think there are things Rodgers could have done to improve the situation. I think the thumb definitely played a role in his lack of accuracy and interceptions. But all that matters now is you win on Sunday and you're in. Yeah, I think all the stuff that you mentioned, I agree with 100%. And the only thing I would tack on is just that there has uh, been an amount of his play this year when you watch him not seeing open guys or, you know, just staring a guy down who is clearly open. And then for whatever reason, just decide not to throw it. And, you, and it's kind of baffling why I will just say that, that he did start doing that um, down the, the late stretch of last year. So that was a thing tw- in the last few games of 2021 mm-hmm. as well. What is causing that? I have no idea. That would be a fantastic question for Aaron or for Tom Clements. Um, Gil, we got to keep moving on here. Uh, do you have the uh, impact player injuries for the Lions? Uh, guys who are either on IR or on the uh, injury report that we got to got to uh, be aware of. Well, the big one to me is center Frank Ragnow, who's one of the yeah. better centers in the league. And look, this this Lions offensive line is a very very strong unit, but Ragnow. Uh, He's a Pro Bowl caliber player, and he did not practice on Wednesday. What his status is going to be for the game Sunday remains to be seen, but their backup center happens to be, uh, you know, one of their starting guards in Evan Brown. That would certainly be a matchup the Packers would be able to take advantage of if Kenny Clark is going up against a backup center and then you have to play a backup guard as well. That could be a big advantage for the Packers. Well, it's also worth noting that Evan Brown is banged up too. So Frank Ragnow is banged up. Evan Brown is banged up. Backup right guard. Again, man, the Lions have so many guys with crazy names. 
my apologies to Mr. Awasika, Coyote Awasika. That's a cool name if that's how you say it. It is a cool uh, name. But he's banged up as well. Um, the uh, the other backup center that's listed by CBS is Ross Pierschbacher. Uh, so, you know, maybe they get down to him. Um, but, I mean, best case scenario for the Packers is that Frank Ragnow can't play. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, o- overall, I do wonder if this Detroit Lions offensive line is good enough to weather the storm without him. He is the, you know, the centerpiece of that line. He is one of the better players at his position. Uh, smart, he is efficient, he is tough, and if he's missing, the the Lions will definitely feel that. If they do get down to Ross Pierschbacher, which I, I, I have some questions about if this even is, I mean, this is who CBS says is the next guy in, in line. He's barely played ever. He's a former Eagle. Uh, he played one snap in 2020 against the Cardinals. Uh, he played, where is it? I think that's it. I think that's the only snap he's taken on offense. So I, I, I have I have some questions about uh, how trustworthy CBS is there. Everything else about this offensive line depth looks correct to me. But when you get down to the third string center, this might just be some speculation. Just, you know, it, it might be more... Uh, more sensical to assume that a guy like Logan Sternberg would step in right. or, you know, maybe you kick one of your tackles in there. Uh, Dan Skipper, you know, somebody like that. Uh, Matt Nelson, maybe. Uh, I mean, heck, you know, Jonah Jackson, very, very smart player, mm-hmm. uh, very cerebral guy. Uh, no doubt in my mind that, that he could handle those responsibilities in a pinch if he needed him to. No, no question about it. But again, you know, offensive line more than any other position on the field, pretty much. They need continuity. They need familiarity with the players playing next to them. And if you take that away before the season finale, that does make things a lot tougher for the Detroit Lions. Not including guys who are on IR like Rashawn Gary, uh, Eric Stokes, uh, Dean Lowry, et cetera, et cetera. Packers are completely healthy. The only guy who showed up in the injury report at all was Aaron Rodgers, and that was just veteran rest. So, man, you do not often see the Packers looking this healthy. And, you know, it pains me to say that we don't have Rashawn Gary because, I, man, do we miss him. But still, of the active guys that we have to have nobody missing practice for injury, what a blessing. Yeah, the timing is very good. And, and look, let's let's not kid ourselves. The fact that this team – is healthier now than they have been all season, I think is also a part of the reason for their uh, improved play over the last four games. That's absolutely correct. Uh, Let's talk about um, a guy on defense for the lions who has really stepped up um, as the season has gone along. And that is edge ruster James Houston. He's only played for the uh, lions since week 12 but he has been absurdly good. He has an 89.5 overall grade. Uh, three of the six games he's played have been in the high, high 80s. He has 15 pressures, eight sacks. The guy is wrecking opposing backfields. 
Um, the one thing that he struggles in a little bit is run defense. He's kind of mostly just a pure pass rusher. Um, but man, the Lions were looking for a compliment to Aiden Hutchinson, and they found it down the stretch here in James Houston. I'd be interested to see, you know, he's a rookie. Uh, he was a, a sixth round pick out of Jackson State. I'm interested to see what he does long term for them. Uh, but he is the highest graded player for the Lions on their um, on the entire defense almost would be on the entire uh, team, except that Amon Ross St. Brown has to edge him out with a 90.7. He's the second highest graded wide receiver in football, of <laughs> course, uh, which uh, we'll get, we'll get into that in a minute about how you cover him. Cause I have some interesting thoughts on that. But, I do too. But uh, uh, Houston going to be a guy you have to account for. Uh, I'm glad that we have Bakhtiari back and healthy. And really, a guy that we need to shout out for a minute, Elton Jenkins, has been absolutely uh, just rock solid, locked down, exactly what you need there at left guard. Um, Obviously, we're super happy that he got paid. Looking at uh, his recent performance here, the last time Elton Jenkins allowed a pressure was week 10 against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Zero, 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 zero ever since. Man, he's been good. So getting the, having those two guys on the left side of the line, um, you know, you feel good about the fact that you're not going to have to worry about both Aiden Hutchinson and Houston. Um, but whoever lines up over Yash Nyman and John Runyon, probably Aiden Hutchinson, you have to imagine that that is going to be a, a bit of a concern on the uh, mind of, um, of Adam Stenovich and uh, Luke Butkus. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them slide a tight end over onto Nyman's side for the game. Uh, you know, Mercedes Lewis and, and Robert Tunyon working there with uh, Nyman to really make sure that we keep a clean pocket. If you can do that, I think the rest of the Lions – uh, defense is something that you really can live with. The mm-hmm. only defensive back that you really are concerned about at all would have to be, probably be Deshaun Elliott. Uh, Kirby Joseph was a guy I liked in college. He's still trying to find his way. Jeff Okuda, underwhelming for sure. And, and Jerry Jacobs kind of offering almost nothing in coverage. It's, it's a very underwhelming DB group. It's uh, a mediocre, uh, linebacker group. You like what Malcolm Rodriguez, the uh, Oklahoma State uh, rookie, is doing, but still, it's, it's a it's an inexperienced and not very good middle linebacker group. The backbone of this defense, hands down, are their edge rushers. Yep. So, um, I, I my my plan here for trying to attack this defense is really uh, pretty simple. It's it's help Yash. Uh, in whatever way you need to, whether that's giving him a tight end or sliding some protection, help him out. Make sure that you are negating both these pass rushers. Cause I think you can live with what the rest of the defense will give you. I think that's true. Look, this defense is improved, but I'm not ready to say that they are uh, one of the elite defenses in this league. So I, I think that there are things the Packers can do in this uh, set of circumstances to to move the football against the Detroit Lions, but protecting Aaron Rodgers is going to be paramount. 
All right, let's talk about the Lions offense because this is obviously the thing that we are the most concerned about. They're averaging 30.5 points per game over the last six games. Fantastic offensive line. We are hopeful that uh, Frank Ragnow is unable to go and that that would cause them to shift things around on their offensive line. But even so, the rest of the offense really can get you. The, the Packers have to get pressure on Jared Goff. Absolutely have to. The run game, quite good. Uh, you had a Jamal Williams stat you wanted to share. Uh, well, I mean, with Jamal Williams, he is just six yards away right now from 1,000 for the season. And 15 rushing touchdowns is just an impressive, uh, impressive performance. I always liked Jamal Williams when he was a Packer. And, and to sure. me, seeing him do this well uh, – it's heartwarming. I don't want him to do well against the Packers, although I'd like him to get the six yards just to give him the thousand yard season. But, uh, you know, and the thing about Williams is if this field is slick, if the field is muddy, if there uh, are, you know, if it's a slow track, Jamal Williams becomes even more dangerous because he always, always played well on a bad field. The Lions have a ton of receivers they can gash you with. Amon Ross St. Brown primarily lines up in the slot. I think you take a bit of a leaf out of last week's playbook and have Jair follow him around a little bit. Uh, put him in the slot. I do not at all want Rasul Douglas covering Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm, just, no. I'm not here for that. No. I'm not here for that. Um, let Rasul Douglas work on Brock Wright. He's the tight end who has stepped up in the absence of TJ Hawkinson after they traded him to the Vikings. Brock Wright, historically, never been a very good tight end. However, of course, last week against Chicago, 89.3 overall grade. Um, It was uh, his best game of his career. Um, I'm, I'm not really taking it to the bank that he's going to replicate what he did last week, he had four targets, three receptions, two touchdowns. But I think that the the Packers, if they can replicate what they did last week, I think they can do enough to take away St. Brown and DJ Chark. Um, you know, maybe Jamison Williams gets uh, you know a, a deep shot or two, you know, here there in the game. Um, obviously. You still have uh, Josh Reynolds plugging away like he's always done. Mm-hmm. Um, but St. Brown is the number one guy you got to worry about. And then I think Brock Wright probably is going to have at least a productive day uh, because they have enough offensive weapons to spread the ball around to that it's going to stretch the Packers out a little bit thin. And I think if they're getting home uh, you know, to Jared Goff at all, he's going to have to dump the ball off quick. And that means receptions for the big tight end. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the Packers have struggled to cover tight ends for way too long. If I'm the Packers right now, I would put Jair Alexander on Amon Ross St. Brown for a lot of plays similar to what they did with Justin Jefferson. And I know there's a difference because Justin Jefferson has speed that Amon Ross St. Brown does not. But no other two Lions receivers at any position, tight end, wide receiver, running back, no other two Lions players combined have more than the 100 catches 
that Amon Ra St. Brown has this year. So you want to slow down Detroit's offense. You got to do a better job than the Packers have in the past at stopping the run, but you also have to contain Amon Ra St. Brown. So get pressure on Goff, and I would put Jair Alexander on Amon Ra St. Brown man-to-man, not on every play, but, you know, maybe half the time, maybe a little bit more than half the time, just to keep them, you know, he's so good at picking up nine yards on third and eight. He he is efficient, he is a tactician, and he is a darn good player, so uh, Equinemius' brother really has shined this year in Detroit. Yeah, no question about it. The other thing that we should uh, be thinking about would have to be special teams because, man, what a turnaround here for the Packers. They have become absolutely lethal on special teams. But you know who the number one highest-graded special teams unit in the NFL would happen to be? Obviously, the Detroit Lions. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I knew it wasn't us, even with the the recent better play. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they have been uh, quite good. They've got a lot of starters um, taking reps out there. One guy who's been really good um, on kickoff returns has been Khalif Raymond. Um, he did have one muff, um, uh, Ju- Justin Jackson, former running back for the Chargers. Um, he's been kind of their primary returner, I would say, lately. Uh, they got uh, 43 returns between the two of them. Um, and, uh, overall, you know, just from top to bottom, it's, it, it is a, a solid group. Uh, James Houston, uh, who I already mentioned, he's been, uh, you know, just absolutely lights out when he's on special teams. If you look at the guys who are playing the most snaps on special teams and still grading out really well, the guy who sticks out the most to you would have to be linebacker Josh Woods. He's played 300 special team snaps. He's got a 90.5 grade when he's out there on special teams, he's got 10 tackles and two assists. Um, he, he does it all. Uh, that That's a guy you got to watch out for. I I think that uh, the, the Packers need to maybe rein it in a little bit on special teams and just try and be disciplined here and just don't let the Lions gash you on special teams. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. You know, we we have seen them uh, really going for these big plays, and and I like it. I like the aggressive uh, aggression, but I like it a little bit more when you're playing against a really poor special teams unit. And the Lions being number one overall scares me enough. I I, I would just say treat the Lions special teams unit with a healthy dose of respect. Yeah, got to do that. And hopefully Keyshawn Nixon will be healthy and and ready to go. And look, we have seen improvement on coverage teams, on special teams in recent weeks, but they still make me nervous. I'm not going to lie. Anytime we're defending a kick or a punt return, I do hold my breath a little bit. Uh, They've done much better, but do I trust them yet? No. Pop quiz for you real quick here. The Packers, if you look at every phase of their game that you would give them a grade, you know, um, passing, pass blocking, receiving, running, run blocking, run defense, tackling, pass rush, coverage, special teams. If you break it all down like that, there are three categories that the Packers are uh, below average. 
everywhere else they are significantly above average. Okay. There's three categories where they grade out as below average. Can you name two of those three, do you think? Run defense has got to be one. Yes, sir. Uh, number two, uh, kick coverage. No, it's, uh, it is uh, tackling and right. run blocking. Those are the other two areas where they still need to see some improvements. I will say one thing I really like, and this is why I brought this up, against the Vikings, uh, Aaron Jones got the majority of his yards before contact. He only had 35 yards after contact. And on the, se- on the last two seasons, usually it's the other way around. He's barely getting any yards before contact. So I like seeing them step it up. All right, we got to wrap this up here. Uh, it's time for our score predictions. Gil, what's your score prediction for this game? Packers 30, Lions 23. DVOA would tell you that the Packers are going to score 25 and the Lions are going to score 31. I am giving a, a weighted edge to the Packers because it's at home on Sunday night with these high stakes. I think the Packers offense maybe isn't quite enough to get it done <laughs> on their own, but you throw in some special teams love, you throw in some defensive love, and you throw in the chance that their offense does pop something big. I'm going to give them another touchdown. I'm going to say the Packers are going to get to at least 31 points, and I think that they are going to do just enough to keep the Lions from getting there. I'm going to go 31-27. So I am picking the Lions to cover, but the Packers to win. Fair enough. And one thing that we didn't touch on that I just wanted to briefly say, we have to run the ball enough to beat this team. Their run defense is not very good. Not that their pass defense is, but we have to run the ball to control the clock, keep that offense off the field and keep them honest and not just having them, you know, pressure Aaron Rodgers on every play. Very true. Very true. Uh, you know what? And, and one more thing to go along with that. The Packers have been a little vulnerable uh, to uh, running back screens recently. So just yes. watch out for that. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook popped one against uh, against us last week. So, uh, yep, that's, that's my final thoughts there. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be right back here next week, hopefully, to preview a playoff game for the Packers. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.